Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Idle Australians with James Madison and Osha Ginsberg. Exploring the bits you might have missed from Australian history and Australian culture. Idol Australians, uh, welcome to the show. I'm Osher Ginsburg. That's James Matheson. How's your week, James? How have you been this week? Yeah, good, mates. Yeah? I've been well. What have you been doing? Hunting down more nuggets to bring to our voracious listeners. When you hunt nuggets, are you like a, a Aussie digger at, like with a National Geographic show with a metal detector out in the bush? Is that that kind of nugget hunting? Yeah, a bit of, bit of that. bit of on Google in my underpants as well, you know. I oscillate between the two. Are you are you that kind of guy? Are you are you a, a, a grey nomad future kind of guy? Is that what you're looking at? Are you looking at buying a caravan and just just going for walks out in Western Queensland with a a metal detector and a pair of headphones on? What do you mean going to? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that that that's life goals right there, isn't it? Any opportunity to go bush, you know, untether ourselves from this oh, yeah. well, relentless, hyper-capitalist, post-consumerist, borderline apocalyptic society that we live in? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't got the metal detector yet, but, I mean, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. We'll strike it rich. <clears throat> Um, now, if I sing some uh, lines to you, do you think you'll be able to finish them? I don't know. The thing is with, with pop music is that I have – when I stopped working at Channel V in 2006, I, I kind of stopped watching music TV or listening to radio. So I kind of stopped discovering new music until about 2010, and now the only new music I discover is in the car driving Georgia to school. So I have segments of rock and roll here and there and then just a lot of Megan the Stallion. What if they weren't pop songs, but what if they were another type of song um, that you may have a bit of familiarity with? What if I gave you this? How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel like a toy. Of course, there that's an ad. It's, oh, my God, you're meaning jingle. jingle oh. there. My dad picks the fruit that goes to Cotty's. To make the cordial that I like best. Can't forget uh, it. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's there in your head. You probably haven't heard that for 25 years. All right. There is nothing like a crown. For picking it up and putting it down. <laughs> How are you doing this to me? You're manipulating my brain right now. commercial. How do we know brands of forklifts? From 30 years ago. They're so bananas. Why is that inside my head? Because I guess, um, I don't know, our memory works. You know, we, we sing, I, I sing songs to Wolfie to help him learn how to do things. 
you know, we learned the, uh, the alphabet through a song. Why, you know, we, we songs, I don't know, they, they help things stick in our brains, don't they? They do. I mean, this episode is about that idea in particular. More specifically, jingles. Jingles, they, they are these bit of music that are so crazy, they can effectively hack your brain so that you are recalling a product that you haven't thought of for 20, 30 years. And, and beyond that, they become part of our collective cultural consciousness. I, I reckon if I went up to anyone in Australia and sung that to them, how do you feel? 90% of people would be able to finish the next part of that song. Yeah. There is something that is so powerful, not just from a neurological standpoint, but from an emotional standpoint, like, like songs that are able to trigger some sort of emotion in us we can have recall for for the the rest of our lives and and there's a reason for that what did you did you sing wolfie the the alphabet song yeah which is also twinkle twinkle little star yeah mind blown and it's that shortcut to recall that just works for every human alive i i remember trying to learn the periodic table and there was a song to do that and oh. I, was, I was terrible at science, but I pretty much was able to do the, the periodic table because I learnt it to song. Is that something, 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 lithium, beryllium, something, 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 that, that uh, one? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's a periodic table. There's hydrogen and helium and lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon everywhere and nitrogen all through the year. Uh, with... Oxygen that you can breathe and fluoride for your pretty teeth. Neon to light up the sun. Sodium for salty times. It's a period. Yeah. Something like that. But you just mentioned more elements than I could have ever recalled. Like it clearly works. Mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing this this thing that our brain does. But I think what what you're really nailing there is that that Tui's ad that you just sang, um, or even the forklift ad, there's something about the musical, something about the chord structure, something about the the male voices that were singing it makes me like, I need a forklift that's not going to break. I need a forklift that's fucking tough as shit. Ah, oh, crown, that'll fucking do it. You know, it's like it just puts an emotive quality on the product as well that I don't think a picture in a magazine or an Instagram thing or, or even a, a TV commercial could do. There's something about the song that puts that emotion in there so much more than what the visual can do. Mm. And so this episode is about jingles, but in particular, it's about Australia's king and queen of jingles, literal jingle royalty. Uh, A couple of songwriters who wrote in excess of 10,000 jingles. We're talking um, Mr. Squiggle. Mr. Squiggle, the man from the moon. Oh, yeah, that was effective, that one. (laughs) The theme song to Play School, yes. There's a bear in there and a chair as well. Tip Top's the one good on your mum. Oh, my God. TDK does amazing things. I love that one so much. Uh, And one I heard on the radio in the car today. I like Bingley. And many, 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 many more. Would you believe that one couple came up with all those 
and countless others that are embedded in the the national collective consciousness. What you're describing is is this it's the soundtrack, it's the ad breaks in the cricket, it's the you know, it's in between the ads on the news, like when you're watching the Berlin Wall falling down, you're watching a TDK ad. All right, so it's it's the songs that go along with these huge landmark moments in our in our culture, and because they've been doing it for so long, oh God, clearly what over ten thousand jingles, they've been doing it for a while. They've written like songs that more Australians would remember than pop artists, surely. Without a doubt, without a doubt, more than Kylie Minogue, more than Paul Kelly, more than um, Melissa Takuts, all put together. They are the legendary <laughs> Jenny and Jeff Ailing. It's a civic video night tonight. I want laughter. I want action. Good on you, Mum. Tip top's the one. How does it feel, guys, to be two people that really wrote the soundtrack for a nation, I guess, finding itself in the modern world because it wasn't necessarily the pop music that did it. It was the 30-second songs in between the cricket and things like that. That was the music that we all kind of shaped ourselves away from the kind of British model of Australia into this kind of modern country we live in now. How does it feel to be the people that did that? Yeah, it's, it's we good. Yeah. We've written, written so much stuff. I remember Jenny... Um, sitting in the bath, I think it was right here, yes, Mr. Squiggle, you know, all, all those things. So there's a bear in there, just stuff that everyone knows, but um, we're kind of anonymous, but the music is. But it really was the day of the jingle. You know, it's not so much anymore. So we were there at the right time. What do you think's happened to the jingle? Because you're right, when you were writing, it felt like every product and every advertiser went to the jingle as a first port of call, that's not happening anymore. What do you think has changed? One thing I do know is that a lot of the the jingles that you hear are totally forgettable. After a commercial break, if you were to just say to someone, what ad was on during the commercial break? They haven't got a bloody idea because most advertising is ignored. And if you think about it, what do you actually remember out of that commercial break? Nothing. We developed a thing. We approached jingles from a marketing standpoint. I've always believed that the trick is to be able to get people so that at the moment that they decide, geez, I need a sofa or I need whatever it is, that at that moment when you suddenly realise that you need something, your brain comes up with five or six possible places where you might get it. And if you're not on that short list, you're not in the game. So recall is the answer. I remember years and years and years after we did this, we were, we were living up at Womble and we had a guy that used to mow our lawn and he couldn't make it one day. I thought, oh, my God, where are we going to find someone else? I thought, Jim is mowing. And suddenly this thing popped in my head, call 131546 and call That's your it. local Jim. That's it. That's what I did. I, I was standing on the front lawn and went, call 131546 and call your local Jim. Nah, that would have been 40 years ago. So I picked up phone rank, one, three, one, five, four, six. Hello, Jim's mowing. And I thought, yes. So that's what we made a career of out of being able to create that, that recall thing so that people remembered the advertiser. It was also um, our whole approach to uh, jingles was to look for a marketable point of difference where there didn't seem to be one and making that the hero of the advertising 
so that people went, wow, what about that? And and they responded. So we, we got a terrific success rate of, of people responding and, and buying stuff and it was we made a career out of that. I guess when you, you get a brief from an agency or from a brand, you think you're going to create something, you think, oh, it'll be good if it sticks in people's head. Did you ever imagine that some of them would be stuck in people's heads for the next 20, 30, 40 odd years? No, because that was the plan from the outset. <laughs> it really was. It was the, that was the plan of, of being able to make things so that you can recall them years and years later. I still remember pizza phone numbers from Brisbane in the 80s. Three, six, eight, one, triple eight, bring Sylvia's to your door. Like, you probably wrote that one. I still remember. Beep, 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 Baraka gives you back your BB bounce. Try and forget that. You can't. No, it's, they stick in your head. In fact, we used to call them musical Velcro. And do you work out whether a song is musical Velcro when it comes to you instantaneously? You're like, well, it's stuck in my head. It's obviously going to be implanted in millions of others as well. No, you just know how to do it. Just to, mm. When you do something for 47 years, you've got to get good at it. Jenny, has it been so good at, like, 30 seconds is an incredibly tiny amount of time to get uh, an idea across. A pop song, you've got verse, chorus, you get another verse, you get another chorus, you get a bridge, you get a third chorus. There's so much space when you think about a pop song. When Once you've figured out how it works and how to get people, how to get ideas in people's brains, did it kind of ruin pop music for you? Were you, were you able to like sort of see the matrix and go, uh Yes. In fact, for many years we stopped listening to music for pleasure because it was work and it was only after we retired and stopped all of the jingle thing that we got back into listening to music for pleasure. That's right. It became work. I'll tell you the approach that I used to use. It wasn't, was nothing to do with music to start off with. It was what, what do you actually want to say? You figure out what people would be most interested in. In fact, you work out what problem someone has when they want to buy something, what, what problems do they encounter, and then you solve the problem and then put that as the centrepiece of your commercial. I, I know. I remember once we, we had to get, we were going to buy a sofa or something. I went into some sofa city or some bloody thing and um, I said, oh, oh, I have that one. And uh, this guy said, oh, well, you can't have that one. That's our floor stop and you've got to wait three months and all this stuff. And that, that's a thing that a lot of people have. They go and they want to buy it and they won't give it to them. And uh, so that's a problem. That, that's a real problem. The people hate it when that happens. You think, oh, I'm going back there again. And there was a guy in Ballarat, what's it called, Bedzone, a guy in, I think it was Ballarat or Geelong or somewhere, and uh, we were talking to him about it and we were looking for a point of difference. And uh, I said, how are you different from Winks and Snooze and all the other places? He said, we're exactly the same. We all sell the same stuff. Anyway, it turned out from something he said that that they don't do that business of making you wait because they don't, they're not part of a franchise and they've got a storeroom, a big storeroom out the back where if they sell somewhere off the floor, they just get another one and stick it out there. I said, what? So it means if I see it, I can have it now. He said, yeah. So we got that idea and we wrote a thing that went, see it on the floor, sleep on it tonight. That's the bed zone promise, sleep tight, bed zone. And people used to pull him up on the street and say, is that right? If I come in, I can get it now. So it's solving a problem like that, that really people are fascinated by. They go, well, why would I go anywhere else? I'll, I'll go there. And that's the principle 
of what we used to try and do. Honestly, Jeff, decades of marketing, decades of marketing has just been unpacked in my brain by that last sentence of yours. Every ad I've ever seen has just unraveled in my brain and I've realised how brainwashed and manipulated I've been. You call a plumber and they're, they're never on time. You know, that people hate that. Oh, bloody hell. They're supposed to be here at 11 and they weren't there. So if you can solve that problem, if you've got a plumber that is the on-time plumber sort of thing, and you hold that up as being the, 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 the thing, and people really tune into that, especially if they had problems with plumbers, you know, that sort of stuff. So you try and do that. Yeah, and, and but advertising agencies don't understand that. So they go and buy the... They go and buy the rights to some pop song and stick it on there and, and no one remembers it, anything and it doesn't doesn't have any relevance. No, I was just going to say a good part of it all is the people we've worked with. Oh, yeah. And the people who've become international stars but started by doing jingles, you know, and there have been so many of them. There was a young guy uh, with massive curly hair used to come in and sing Grace Brothers' three-day sale and so on. Next thing, he's off to America and it's Russell Hitchcock from Air Supply. You know, it's just extraordinary when you think about it. Tommy Emmanuel, you know, if any of the people who are listening to this would like to hear some amazing guitar music, just go and listen to Tommy. The stuff he's doing now is amazing. And he, for many years, did guitar, bass and drums for us on, on all our jingles. Awesome, just awesome. I'll tell you a funny thing. Um, we're vegetarians now, and uh, be- before we were vegetarians, there was a guy uh, that used to, he had a big boat and he used to go out in the harbour and he used to catch these great big monster things. Um, and I don't know what they were, these great big fish, and he used to bring them back and, you know, clean them and wrap them up in glad wrap and stick them in a chest freezer. So every so often we'd go and, and buy one of these fish and stick it in our chest freezer. And now these monster things anyway one day we couldn't get tommy for some reason tommy emmanuel but we needed a, a good rock player we said phil his brother we'll get phil so we got phil and phil came into the studio and, and he's, he's in the he's in the studio and you know how guitarists is they they got a tune and it's a little box with a dial on it and tells you when you're in tune so phil's down there he's on his haunches tuning his guitar and he said hey jeff you got a tuner so, yeah. first I know, Jeff's at the freezer throwing peas and beans over his shoulders. And, I've got this and he gets this huge Threw it on the floor and it went boom in front of him. And he was squatting down and he was quiet for a moment and then he just rolled he just over screamed. and screamed. <laughs> we had so much fun in the studio. In 1986, we got a call from Andrew Horton, who was a producer on 60 Minutes, and there'd been an article in the weekend papers about beer commercials, and we'd got a mention, and he said, can I come and sit in on a a recording studio session? We said, sure. So he came over, and it was a lot of fun. It was a great session, and he said, I want to capture this on 60 Minutes. So they gave us a job to do, 
for 60 minutes and they recorded every part of it, the writing, they came out to our little farm and, and yeah, the whole thing they recorded and then they recorded the sessions and so on and ran a, a story about us on 60 minutes. And it was quite amazing. It, it did lots for our career, obviously. But also we went to Hong Kong a couple of weeks later. Mm -hmm. It had just gone to air in Hong Kong and we had people coming up to us in the street saying, jingle people. (laughs) (laughs) It was just incredible. We were stars for a whole week. You've been at this. You said you've been at this for 47 years. Was was it a pop career on the horizon? How did you go, okay, this is going to be jingles? Like how did you discover you were great at this? In the olden days, uh, really, really olden days, my, my father used to work at the old 2SM. There wasn't a stereo hadn't even been invented. It was like woo back. And it was in Clarence Street. Anyway, we were, Jenny and, Jen and I were sort of playing in bands and things. Jenny played uh, keyboards and electric bass and I played guitar and stuff. And uh, anyway, my father said, oh, do you guys want to earn 100 bucks? And we went, oh, yeah. Uh, what are we doing? He said, oh, I've got a client needs a jingle. We said, oh, great, what's a jingle? <laughs> and uh, and it was Cairns Bridalware, and uh, they're up in William Street somewhere. So anyway, we wrote this thing, and it was really good, and the guy loved it. So then we did another one. I think it was Q to Cure. Oh, but that so, one yeah. we recorded at 2SM oh, yeah. on mono gear. There was no yeah. multi-tracking. So we had two roller machines, and we played drums onto one roller, Play it back, pick up the drums, and add bass to it, and, tape and then ta- and tape hiss backwards and forwards. Oh wow! The tape hiss was appalling, and Helen Zerifos sang it, so she was put on last. So over all this tape hiss backing, she sang the thing, and that's what went to air. I sang a song with my son today that you two wrote, and I sing it with him every single day. The play school theme song. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah, we did a version of that with our children. Yeah. yeah no, those little young bloke was standing on phone books. And now they're 53 and 51. Yeah. <laughs> uh, long time. That's a song that every Australian knows, like, because we've all, that show's been on air for so long. Tell us about. The, the- Mr. Squiggles like that too. Yeah. Mr. Squiggles, that's, that's, that's really well known. But there's so, there's so many things. I, I have trouble remembering, remembering them all. Um, well, oh. I guess my favourite is TDK does amazing things to my system. Do you remember that one? Oh, my God, are you kidding me? I can't running up my spine. I hear sounds that make me feel like That's Sharon O'Neill. Right. Uh, yeah. We'd just 
built our studio. There was sawdust everywhere, sawhorses. It wasn't properly finished. And she was standing in the, all this chaos and she did that amazing vocal. Yeah, I love that one. And take Me Away um, P&O. Take Me Away P&O I love a lot. Does the brand give you TDK Does Amazing Things to My System? You come up with that, Jenny? You come up with that, that line? That was John Bevins. John Bevins. Yeah. No, John Bevins. He had an advertising agency yeah. for many years. Brilliant writer. Um, that was one of his. But, yeah, most of them I write, yeah. I'll tell you one interesting thing, though. Um, we hadn't been doing jingles very long, so it was bloody a long time ago, and there was a little studio called David and John Recordings that had just opened up in North Sydney, and uh, we used to do a bit of recording there, and there was... Uh, in fact, we, we we helped them put egg cartons on their wall, you know, to, for soundproofing. Anyway, there was this agency. Uh, they bought the rights to the Eagles' uh, Midnight Flyer. You know, hey, Midnight Flyer, engineer, won't you let your whistle blow that thing? And they, they bought the rights to use it for IPEC. And it was going to be IPEC, wear the Midnight Flyers and get your parcel, all that. And uh, we needed a... Uh, we put the drums and bass down and we, we needed a, a lead guitar and I didn't know anyone. So I called this agency and said, oh, we need this a really good lead guitar player. Anyway, the this guy came in, this young guy with the bloody knees out of his jeans, he came in with he had a guitar. cap. He's yeah. wearing cap. Yeah, yeah, like really daggers. He said, oh, uh, I'm Tommy Emmanuel. And I went, Oh, good day, Tommy. And he went in and he played the shit out of this thing. <laughs> he, 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 he just... And then from that day onwards, we, we didn't use anyone else and he played with us for years. Uh, like not many people know he's an incredible drummer and an incredible bass player. So he used to do all of that. And you never had to tell him what you wanted. You just sang him the thing. This is how it goes. And then it was all there. And he just went in and did all the parts, did all the drums and bass and all the guitars. And, and when it was finished, you remember Drive In and Drive Away, the Stackfield Car? Stackfield Car Radio. That's all Tommy. He just went in and... Cracker after cracker, crack, boom, and there it is. Remember, I like Bing Lee. I like Bing Lee. Well, that, that's that's all him doing stuff, you know, playing percussion things and being all stuff. He's just a genius, and we, we had so much fun. I'll tell you what was funny. Um, Tommy in the studio would do uh, an incredible lick. He'd, go, mm -hmm. he'd play this thing. And in fact, we played once. He, he played this lick once, and um, uh, it was incredible. I said, oh, can you just double track that just play over the top of it and play the same thing. And he listened, he said, play it to me. So I played it and he said, you can't do that. <laughs> and, and anyway, uh, what we used to do, he'd, he'd play some great lick and I used to go, fluke. And, uh, you know, that was that was the gag. And years later, Jenny and I, I were at the, what's the, the, the casino? Um, at Star City. Star City. Yes. We were at this Tommy concert at Star City and we were just there. He didn't know we'd. Come along, and we're in we're in the audience, and Tommy played this oh wonderful thing, and you could hear a pin drop in the whole place, and and in the silence it went fluke, <laughs> and he went, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, such good times, such good times. What is it? Do you think uh, when when you're trying to sing a song and try to essentially sell a product, and I can't even imagine the billions of dollars of product you guys have been a part of selling, be it be cruises or beer or insurance or a car radio. Um, what is it that you think Austra makes Australians different that you have to – is there a particular approach you need to take when it comes to singing a song or advertising to Australians? There's, there's one prerequisite. They have to be human beings. But beyond that, it doesn't matter. 
But for Australians in particular, yeah, I don't know right, that it makes any difference. I think repetition works well oh, with Australians, yeah, well, yeah. really, really well. So if you can repeat something three times, oh, that's awesome. I remember Alan Alan Morris the, from Mojo. Uh, he used to say, "She'll be sweet, sweet, sweet if you repeat, repeat, repeat," mm. and it's so true. That's why I feel like it too easy. Yeah, the, the repetition, you, 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 you know, you're putty in the hand. You can't help it. In fact, if somebody said, you've got to forget TDK, that's amazing, that repeats. You've got to forget that or else I'm going to blow your head off. It's there. It's like forget I before E except after C. Forget it or blow your head off. It's there. Part of your brain circuitry and you can't get rid of it. That's why now um, so many of the things we did just in there to stay. Do you ever drop it in conversation to people if something comes on on the radio or you're in a supermarket or someone is humming a song? Do you ever uh, stop to think and go, you know, uh, we wrote that? Uh, <laughs> I'm past all that. <laughs> no, we don't really. Yeah. Yeah, just... We haven't done this for um, 15 years, we stopped, um, and that was when... Uh, three grandchildren came to live with us and we raised them and and one was a baby and we so we just stopped doing the jingle thing and focused on the kids do you two the two of you not only have you you know provided the soundtrack to a, a nation coming of age in many ways you work together you are married you have kids you have grandchildren for those of us who try to struggle with at least, you know, half of those things. <laughs> What's the key, guys, to maintaining a good personal and a good work-life balance? It's my magnificence. We'll discuss that later, dear. <laughs> <laughs> we've been, no, we've been married 54, 54 years and she's my soulmate. Not soulmate, good mates. soulmate. We're good friends. Yeah. We don't oh, always yeah. agree, but we are good friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. Jenny, tell me about the bath. Why, <laughs> why the bath? You came up with most of the most of your lyrics, most of your taglines, most of the words came while you were in the bath. Why? Because we had two children running around the house, and I could escape all of the noise and all of the frustration and whatever was going on by disappearing to the bath and locking the door, and that's where I could write. That was my peaceful place. She'd have a bath every August, whether she needed it or not. <laughs> yeah. We always work to deadlines too and, like, there have been times where the client would be walking up the driveway and we still didn't have the idea and, I, and Jeff would say, go and make him a cup. Oh, I'd, I'd think of a line as he was coming up to the front door and I'd write it on a piece of paper, give it to Jeff, he'd disappear down the back, I'd make the client a cup of coffee and say, oh, we've got something car. great for you. You come back yeah. and see him at Jingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many close shaves. Yeah. But that's how we work we always work to the deadline yeah. incredible it's a great story i'm glad that we finally put a, a face to all these wonderful songs that are stuck inside our head as i don't know this is a good face to be putting to it <laughs> i don't know i think you both look fantastic now uh sitting there together um just as fantastic as you do when you're playing your double contrabasso snuffleupagus hunting horn how do you know all that you've done some research <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great fun. We did 30 concerts at the Opera House as a trio for the Disadvantaged Schools Program. And they said, you know, we want a one-hour show. And they, there were several groups of children came in each, every 
hour and a half or whatever, we'd have a new group of 3,000 children coming in and they said we want a one-hour show. So we thought, okay, what can we do with the one-hour show? So we got that instrument made up for those opera house shows and it was the double contrabasso snuffleupagus hunting horn and it had lots of musical instruments welded together. So it had a a row of mouthpieces on the end and we'd get kids up on stage to hold it up and there were feathers stuck in trombone slides and a chicken stuck in a a thing and, and yeah, it was great fun and it helped show the children the sound of different instruments. When you think about what music's done for you, what music's done for your kids, what for your grandkids, both Jim and I have got got young kids. What would you say to people listening who've got young kids and what music can do for them and the kids in their lives? Music is great for self-expression, for concentration, just the joy of learning, and you get the reward as you learn more and more. I think music's wonderful for people. Guys, thank you so much. Um, It's been a real pleasure. Um, I know I've got most of those songs stuck in my head again for the next... uh, 20 years of my life. But you know what, Jim? If you need someone to mow your lawn, you'll never forget the phone number, so you're fine. <laughs> no, the old musical Velcro. Can't get rid of it. When you need to get around, call the name you can trust. Just pick up the telephone, you can rely on us. Call 13 14 51 and grab a Legion cab. Call 13 14 51 and grab a Legion Jim, I don't know what I'm more impressed with, the fact that those two people have uh, their ideas, their conscious decisions have implanted themselves permanently in my brain. Like I'm walking around for the rest of my days with ideas and memes that they have created in their brains that I will never, ever, ever forget. I don't know if I'm more impressed with that kind of brainwashing or that they're possibly the most romantic, loved up, together couple I've ever seen in my life. It's so cute. It's gorgeous. I love that. They are relationship goals. Without a doubt. 54 years. You see how happy they were. Cuddling on the couch, making each other laugh, still affectionate. Yeah, you don't see that. And you don't hear that very often, you know. It's some of the language that especially older blokes use towards women they've been married to for a long time is... Not meant to be disrespectful, but, you know, terms like, ah, oh, you know, the, the other half or the ball and chain or, you know, the missus, you know, they, they're not meant to be dismissive. They're meant to be playful, but I think they diminish the, the depth of love that can happen when you are with, with someone for that long. So... Yeah, I, I think that's one of my favourite takeaways from this episode. You know, you come for the yeah. jingles, yeah. stay for the deep, heartfelt relationship advice, you know? Do you think that the love that they feel for each other comes out of, in the work that they did for with each other? Oh, totally. When you're, I mean, have you ever been in a work environment where you're laughing Uh-oh. and it's playful you, and you're inspiring each other and you're bouncing off each other? Like, that is when real magic happens. I mean, you may know that because you, you, you worked with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine being married to me. You know, we'd still be together, you know. <laughs> My point is more that, like, in a relationship, often we get stuck on emotional reaction and I don't think when you're working in that environment you can hold on to that 
anger, resentment, or shitty this, or he said that, because you're A, creating together, and B, you're flipping the narrative constantly because it's like, we've got to make something. Oh, this is fun. How can you stay angry at someone? Or how can you resent someone? Or how can you be furious with someone if you're, they're making you laugh? You can't stay mm. in that emotional state. And so, yeah, I think there's something really powerful in that. And so... I mean, it's possible also that people who create jingles should be tried for war crimes um, because, <laughs> like, now I, I, I have to carry these tunes for a corporation in my brain for eternity. I didn't yeah. choose that. No, but I can tell you, if you want a pizza delivered in Brisbane in 1987, I've got two separate phone numbers that I can still remember for you. I can't for remember. For the rest of your life. I can remember my wife's phone number and that's it. I used There was a time in my life where I could remember 20 different phone numbers. I can remember Audrey's phone number and that's the, I don't even know G's phone number. I don't even know her phone number off by heart. I don't know anybody's phone number in my life. Wait, the two phone numbers you know are your wife's and yes. the number for a 1980s Brisbane pizzeria? Eight nine two double one double one Pizza Hut delivery. <laughs> Can't forget that it. That's so awesome and so messed up. Let's just hope that they continue to use their powers for good. You know, because just could you just imagine if there was a jingle that used their powers for evil? If there was a jingle writer that used their powers for evil, how fucked we would be. Because I can delete a crappy meme off the internet but I cannot delete a good jingle out of my brain and it will stay with me for life. Neville Rand, he's our man. He's got this great state moving. Neville Rand, he's our man. I mean, evil? Not for me to say, but... Was that really one here in New South Wales, was it? Yeah, Neville Rand, he's our man. Oh, man. My God. Don't give them any ideas, Osh. Don't give them any ideas. Yes. How could you, as a jingle writer, go past It's Time? It's time to make a change. Yes, it's time. That one. That was a good one. Still historic. Still a hit. Still an absolute hit. There was something in there, and he, he said it without any bitterness, but he did mention something that he goes, oh, it's not the same anymore. They just license a pop song, and it's not the same. And he's right. And as, and as great as Powderfingers these days makes me feel about you know getting a home loan from a particular bank, it's not quite the same as a purpose-written jingle from the heart made by two people who love each other with multi-instrumentalist Tommy Emmanuel on the wheels of steel or everything, basically, because he did it all. So I get I get what he's saying. Like the golden era of the jingle may be gone, but at least we've still got we've still got the play school theme song, Jim. We'll always have the play school theme song. <laughs> it's a bearing, man. And a chair as well. There are people with games and stories to tell. This episode of Idle Australians uh, featured James Matheson on uh, Total Recall and Jinglery, Osher Ginsberg on Remembering a Forklift Brand from 1986, Bruce Steele for hunting down a jingle hero through a a cactus business, and Daryl Misson, who audio produced everything and stole jingles off the internet to give demonstrative purposes using it for critique purposes thanks very much copyright lawyers um <laughs> you can find us idle australians at gmail.com we're also idle australians on instagram uh don't forget jimmy's other podcast yeah 
It's called Todaily, your daily news breakdown. My take on everything that is happening in the news and everything that we're not being told. Um, tune in to maybe understand what's occurring in the world just that little oh. bit better. Is Surly Jim going to hold a, a, a news desk down? Um, yeah, yeah. No, because I thought what the world needs is <laughs> another middle-aged white guy ranting about politics. So... Um, here on I a come. podcast, on a on podcast, podcast, no less. Here <laughs> Perfect. <I> come, <laughs> That's just what the world needs. I can't wait, James, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you, you're making this show. So get behind Jim, get around it, and um, we'll see you here uh, next week on Idol Australians. Write a review for us. Tell someone about the show. It makes a world of difference. Um, we're not hitting out for Patreon money yet, so the best thing we, the best thing you can do for us is tell someone else about the show. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.